Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's someone who has been a trusted advisor in the world of Christian media for quite some time. His name is Phil Cook, and he provides some reasoned insight about being creative even in a time crunch. Also, Shannon Perry is not only a Christian speaker and singer, but she has a background in school counseling and offers some perspective on how schools can be safer because of the awareness of students who exhibit characteristics of being troubled. And on this edition of The Intersection, I've had the chance to interview actor Max McLean, who played the role of C.S. Lewis in a movie that enjoyed a fruitful theatrical run. Norman Stone directed that film and wrote the screenplay and provided a look at the concept of it. Finally, with Father's Day in the rearview mirror, I wanted to present material from a recent conversation with former NFL quarterback Jeff Kemp of the Fatherhood Commission, who is devoted to equipping and motivating fathers in the Lord. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Phil Cook is a popular influencer in Christian media, having produced media programming in almost 70 countries throughout the world. He is co-founder and CEO of the Cook Media Group and the author of a book entitled Ideas on a Deadline, How to Be Creative When the Clock is Ticking. Informed by his devotion to Christ and extensive background in media, here now is Phil Cook. It's interesting. I did a session with 400 pastors from Australia. And in a group like that, you know, some are pretty sophisticated. Some will have multiple cameras in their church. They'll have a lot of experience with video and digital media. But others on the call were literally taping an iPhone onto a two-by-four and setting it up to be able to (laughs) preach online through that. So the challenge really wasn't whether it was nuts and bolts. It was how do you minister, how do you teach such a wide range of pastors with such a wide range of experience. So it did. It did become a challenge, and it was interesting, but uh, it, it was very fruitful, and, and we had a great time. And I think, you know, my job, I'm not so much, that, like you say, I'm not so much the nuts and bolts guy of which camera to use. I'm more of a why we use it, why we need to be doing yeah. it, and, and um, thinking more deeply about how we're going to impact the culture with the gospel. So that's and, – and out of it came my new book, uh, you know, Ideas on a Deadline. So all of it kind of flows together, and, and um, it's just – it's been really interesting to see. Phil Cook is joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio with Cook Media Group. He also has the Influence Lab, which is a nonprofit organization. New book called Ideas on a Deadline, How to Be Creative When the Clock is Ticking. And I'll just, you know, a a moment of true confession here. And of course, so much of what I do in radio is on the clock, if you will. This even this conversation is on the clock. Sometimes sometimes when the the clock is accelerating and you feel like you're about to run out of time, you start you know, trying to take shortcuts, you you try you're you're very cognizant that the sand in the hourglass is running out. And you become vulnerable, I think, to maybe not doing your best work because of the time pressure. There's another element that's been interjected into what you do. And, you know, when you talk about multitasking, you know, doing things on the clock, certainly I can appreciate that. So what did you want to get across to people with respect to maybe dealing with some of these pressures that are out there? 
That's a great question. And, and the truth is, it's not just for creative professionals like you and I. You know, of course, you and I have been in broadcasting our whole career. We've, we've, we live under a deadline. I was a partner in a, su- a production company a few years ago that produced Super Bowl commercials. And I discovered pretty quickly that the Super Bowl is not going to change their date because <laughs> I can't come up with a good idea for a TV commercial. Yeah. So um, deadlines are part of our life. However, they're also part, if you're an executive, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a real estate salesman, if you're a pastor, whatever you do, particularly with pastors and leaders, Sundays come with relentless regularity. And they have to be prepared every week, whether you're on the worship team or you're the pastor or whatever you do. So what I've discovered is everybody has to deliver ideas, products, presentations, uh, results on a deadline. And I, I really, over my career, and you've probably seen this too, Bob, over my career I've seen people just freeze up when it comes to deadlines. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many people just lock up. They're terrified. And so I really wanted to write a book that would share how to be – how to embrace deadlines. I love deadlines. Honestly, I just, you know, a dirty, dirty little secret on my part. I don't even start working on a project till I see the deadline looming in the distance. And um, I, I don't know, it's something about getting my blood flowing and the adrenaline pumping, and it really gets me going. But I think that if people can learn to embrace deadlines, um, they see them as a, a map. It, it becomes a roadmap to, to finishing your project. You suddenly, when you have a deadline, you suddenly know when to research, do the research, you know suddenly when to do the work, suddenly when you have to deliver, you know all those things. So I, I wanted to really, it, it's really twofold. Number one, helping people get comfortable working under deadlines, but more important, giving people real practical ideas that they could start using today that would help them come up with brilliant ideas when the pressure is on. I, I really believe, Bob, you don't have to lower your standard of creativity just because the clock is ticking and you've got a deadline looming out there. I think you can be brilliantly creative even in the most pressure situations when you know you have to come up with an idea that will change the world. You can do it. And in the book, I list a number of really great techniques for how to make that happen. This is a book can really unleash creativity in, in, in your organization. Phil Cook here on The Intersection. You can find him online at philcook.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's Christian singer, speaker, and author Shannon Perry. She conducts the In Her Shoes conferences for mothers and daughters and is a former school counselor. In our recent conversation, she offered biblically informed insight regarding school safety and school violence and how the church can be involved in reaching out to young people who are troubled. Here now from that conversation is Shannon Perry. You know, first of all, based on my experience and what we see from different uh, details as far as uh, research goes, is that we're seeing that there is a a trend that these are males that are troubled. Uh, first of all, that have done these school shootings, uh, you know, they, the one that you recently mentioned that came in Uvalde, uh, my home state of Texas, we were very uh, rocked by what happened and very sad and very broken for these families, uh, this tragedy that, that did not have to unfold. But if you look at this young man's life and, uh, you know, we, we see that his, his, his father was, was troubled. There was uh, some research done on that, that he had been in and out of, uh, you know, his jail. Uh, we see that mom had some drug problems. And so uh, one of the things that we always were taught whenever I was a school counselor 
is that we need to look at the backgrounds. We need to look at where these kids are coming from. And while we definitely are never excusing their behavior, we do have a responsibility to look at that and to say, what can we be doing to aid our children who are completely innocent as these kids were at this Uvalde shooting? What can we be doing to aid these other children? Uh, these, and he's a child, he's 18, he's, he's, he's old enough to go to war, yes, but, but he's still a child in the mindset, obviously uh, a very troubled child. And so what we look at is to see if, uh, how we can intervene, how, how could we have come, how could we have cut that off at the past? And one of the things that I was trained as a counselor is that we look at uh, how to do some preventative work and how to get involved in their lives. And one of the things that I, that I always suggested is that we need to expand our mentoring programs in our schools. Um, we need to be sure that, it, you know, it's easy for all of us to come in and say, Bob, you know, we need to do something. Something's got to be done. But as we have seen, uh, the government cannot do it all. Uh, you know, the, the, the local schools can't do it all. We as the people, the American people, we need to get involved and say, you know what, it's time that we take a step and we take a stand and we do something about this because it's going to continue to happen. And as long as that, as long as people are troubled, and as you mentioned when we were talking earlier, we look at mental health. Mental health is uh, we don't have enough resources to go around for these kids. Uh, we need we need more money for that. But one of the things that we can scale back as far as money goes is a mentoring program where people actually volunteer their time at the school to say, you know what, I'm going to help be an extra set of eyes for these teachers. I'm going to be an extra hand that knows uh, where that key is to that door. That, that that door is locked, and go around and check those doors. I'm going to be an extra set of eyes outside. So that when someone comes on property that shouldn't be there, uh, we can head this off at the past. And, and I could tell you stories for days about the number of times as a school counselor, I was not just sitting in my office uh, helping children. I was actually dealing with a lot of things that we had going on at our school where we would have strangers come to our, our doors and I would have to uh, call the police or I would have to do other things. I was in, involved in five lockdowns. There was no one in our, in our school, but it was in the area. And a teacher's and, and, and any administrator's and a parent's worst nightmare is what happened in Uvalde. And so for us to realize, we can talk about this all day long, but we've got to get back to the heart of the issue. And it's serving the hearts of these children, the ones who are not troubled and the ones who are troubled. Someone had had eyes on him. We may have been able to, uh, to avoid this situation or at least to have to help curb what happened. Let's bring this home, Shannon, to the church and the potential for the church to be involved in ministering in these situations. How can churches help to encourage this type of involvement? Oh, that's an excellent question. And we, and we have such a powerful connection to the community through the church. Uh, one of the things that I love, a lot of youth leaders that I work with, they actually go into the schools and they have lunch with those kids uh, on a weekly basis. So they're not only just seeing them come to church, they're actually going out into the community and serving where they are. We know that all those kids are not going to come to the church, but when we can go out and we can reach them, then we can let them know, hey, there is a safe place for you. And so the church can get involved by going where they are. These kids, these parents, these families are not always coming to church. But when we go out and we show the love of Jesus to them by uh, simply having, like I said, having lunch with them or simply saying, hey, you know, uh, if you're upset or if you have a problem, I'm here for you to talk. Making yourself available, Christian, 
but also just as a loving heart, that being the hands and feet of Jesus, that's really what this is. Shannon Perry here on The Intersection. You can connect with her through shannonperry.com. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed. There are also links to video content, including recently added content from the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, That is via the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There are two blogs that are accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter at Access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app at a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. The Intersection Podcast continues now with the director and screenwriter for the movie presentation called The Most Reluctant Convert, The Untold Story of C.S. Lewis. His name is Norman Stone. In our conversation, he talked about certain elements of the film and the story of C.S. Lewis and his conversion experience in a conversation that took place as the distribution widened through home video platforms for the film. Here now is Norman Stone. I'm a Christian and a filmmaker, um, and I love stories. And you're not going to be far away from C.S. Lewis if you have that sort of um, interest, if not passion. And I was leaving the BBC uh, many years ago, um, and I'd done a film about a blind and deaf Cornish poet who's quite well known as a poet and a Christian too. And uh, that went really well. The man hadn't seen or heard for 25 years at that point. And yet he was probably the man closest to God I've ever met. No middlemen. It was quite interesting. And he earned the right for the audience to hear and to see. It was a film called A Different Drummer. And they loved it. They, they, it went down really well. And I thought it's because he's earned the right to be heard. He's been there and back again. It costs a lot. And so we listen to him when he speaks. And I thought, well, who else can I think of that's earned the right to be heard mm-hmm. in their life? took me about three and a half seconds, and I thought, C.S. Lewis, of course, with um, Joy Davidman and the story at the end of his life in particular, but all the way through. So we did the original version of Shadowlands. I sat down and wrote it and told the BBC, this is the one we should do. They disagreed, and then they later agreed, uh, and they said, let's do it. So we did the original Shadowlands back in 1984. And once you get into Lewis and you see his life and you see also his his writings and his thinkings and his apologetics for the Christian wo- uh, worldview, you don't tend to drop it lightly. It, he, he, um, he hangs around in your mind a bit and heart. So I did one or two other films about C.S. Lewis, smaller ones. Uh, I did one about Michael Ward's book, Planet Narnia, called The Narnia Code. And I did another one called um, 
beyond, beyond the Shadowlands. Um, and that was another one going through part of his life. And, you know, it, it doesn't sort of get tired. And when this came along, this particular one, Max McLean, you already mentioned, a great actor and running at the FPA theater company. He'd made, well, he does love C.S. Lewis and he looks a bit like him too. And he'd <laughs> done a one-man show uh, that was going really well. And I'd known Max for years and he comes from New York, got great theater people there. And he said, Norman, Norman, I've got this show, uh, this one-man show, and it seems to be going crazy. Everyone loves it. And uh, do you think it would ever appear on screen? And I said, well, it depends on the script. I've not seen the, seen the play at all. Uh, to cut a long story short, he sent the script over and I read it with some trepidation because sometimes your good friends send you scripts that aren't good. <laughs> this was brilliant. And he had cleverly tailored together a lot of Lewis's words, and this is not an easy trick. Um, it's basically surprised by joy, the essence of that, Lewis's own memoirs and how he became a Christian and so on. But he'd made those words live as speech, not just to be read. And I saw this and I thought, this is fantastic. He pulled things in from everything, from other books to The Weight of Glory, that great um, speech and book that he wrote. And it worked. So I said, it isn't a film, but it would work, yes. So I got commissioned to do um, the screenplay from it, and I wanted to make it very much a film. Um, and yet I had the rich, rich substance of what was already proven and popular on stage. So I mixed it all up and thought, no one's going to be bored while watching this one, you see. And it, it worked. So um, it seems to be just going and going. It's not running out of anything yet. It just keeps moving. So Absolutely. that's good. We may be doing two more in the future, which we'd like to do to make the whole of Lewis's life be taken on by this uh, medium of film. Norman Stone here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website cslewismovie.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Ambassador for the Fatherhood Commission, Jeff Kemp, who discussed biblically-centered principles relative to fatherhood and reflected on the example of his own father. He's written Men Huddle Playbook for Level 5 Friendship, available free through menhuddle.com. From that recent Meeting House conversation, here now is Jeff Kemp. We receive our identity from our Abba Father, our Heavenly Father, our Perfect Father. In the river, when he was baptized, Jesus heard the Father's voice say, You're my son, my unconditionally loved, beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased and delight. I affirm you. We need to receive our affirmation, our identity, and our unconditional love from the Heavenly Father. And I would urge every, every, every person listening to go to God in a new way and say, I want to relate to you as my heavenly father. I want to be your son or your daughter. Would you refather me? I've done that this last three years since COVID began, and it's been the best spiritual time in my life. So number one is receive your identity from Abba Father because of the sacrifice and salvation and reconciled relationship that Jesus purchased for you. Every sin is forgiven. God smiles on you, even if you've got a porn addiction or an alcohol problem or an anger problem, or you've been divorced or you're distant from your kids, you've broken relationship. God smiles on you because Jesus 
has forgiven you and he's adopted you into his family and he doesn't make junk and he's in the process of healing you and he'll see you in perfection for eternity so he can smile on you that way now we need to receive that then we play the role of guiding our children to abba father and we do it through humility and modeling our relationship with god reading the bible and praying and talking to them bringing them into every conversation in the morning at breakfast at night when you go to bed, say prayers, talk through the day. When you're in the car driving home from a little league game or from a school event, uh, when you see a goofy TV commercial with not enough clothes on TV, or you're concerned that their phone is feeding them a bunch of cancerous, counterfeit, sexual junk uh, and Internet comparison, talk about it. Don't moralize. Just talk about it. Say, that has a way better plan. Um, so fathers, get your guidance from the father. Ask God to father you and then ask them how to father your kids um, and spend that time enjoying your kids, showing them you enjoy them and um, playing with them, but talking about the things of God. Mm. Uh, we're not just providers. We're also protectors. And that means protecting them from a culture that's damaging them. I say do it by inoculating them, not incubating them. You can't keep them away from everything. You got to give them Jesus's answer to play offense and say no to things because they have a better yes, their relationship with God. Uh, we lead them, we teach them, we help them, we encourage them like my dad did. And as they get older, we become their compassionate friend. We stop giving so much advice. In fact, my best parenting of adult sons has been apology. <laughs> Apologizing <laughs> for giving them too much unsolicited advice. Unsolicited advice is criticism. It's telling them, no, you're not smart enough, you're not a man yet, you can't do it. Uh, I've had to apologize and step back and just become their friend, and it's made a huge difference. What's your appraisal of what's been going on the last three years, and what have you seen as maybe some of the blessings and some of the challenges? Oh, I think the last three years has been a blitz. Blitzes are both dangerous and opportunity. Um, the culture has been blitzing masculinity mm -hmm. and manhood, fatherhood, and the concept of God for many, many years. Um, the opportunity in this is I think we get to go back to the simplicity of relationship with God, the Father, through Jesus. And men are isolated. Leaders are isolated. COVID made it worse for everyone. Young people, my gosh, without school and everything. Um, we need to go back to relationship. And friendship was the very first common denominator for humanity other than marriage, Adam and Eve, but beyond that, two human beings being friends. It's the best way to start a marriage, and it's what men need. It's what fathers need. It's what leaders need. And I don't think we define friendship well. Ever since Facebook and having you know 765 friends or 2,000 friends or Instagram followers or a network of business friends, um, ever since the digital world came in, and everything was about entertainment and impression and image. We've lost the concept of loyal, committed, confidential, consistent, meeting regularly, sharing your life, opening up, self-disclosing, sharing and confessing your temptations, confessing your sin one to another, like it says in James, being set free by that transparency. Jeff Kemp here on The Intersection. You can find out more through the website menhuddle.com. You can learn about the Fatherhood Commission at fatherhoodcommission1m, fatherhoodcommission.com. Well, we are approaching the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. <clears throat> 
Well, we are approaching the ending of... Well, we are approaching the conclusion of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You can click on the Meeting House link there. That takes you to the Meeting House homepage, also accessible through meetinghouseonline.info. Through the homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. There are links to the podcast as well as to video content. Plus, you can link to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.